Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that is so bad even the African dung beetle thinks it stinks. Now I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine. And on this week's episode in Pipe Parts, uh, we'll go back to uh, Pipe Smoking 101 Revisited with uh, the inside of the bowl, or better known as the tobacco chamber. So we'll talk about that. And then my guest is uh, Kyle, the pipe professor from YouTube. And we'll have music, mailbag, and a rant. All that coming on, coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Uh, and remember, last call. Uh, last call for JDRF auction items. Remember, 100% of what the item sells for goes to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation to help with uh, treatments and to find a cure for uh, type 1 diabetes, which uh, my daughter's now going on year uh, 16 of having so yeah uh, and uh, while you're at it follow me on uh, Facebook you'll see a little uh, video or Instagram that I did of uh, my own little medical trials that I'm dealing with uh, it is a uh, treatment for psoriasis which I've suffered from for about 10-12 uh, years and it finally went to my joints so now I'm doing shots once a month though not like a type 1 diabetic who does them uh, three five times a day so Anyway, I uh, hope you all are getting a chance now that the weather has turned in the northern hemisphere to get outside and smoke your pipes. And remember, you know, smoke a pipe in public wherever you can. Uh, support those uh, coffee shops or restaurants or places that will give us an outdoor smoking spot to sit at and enjoy. I know here in the uh, Carolinas, the spring has been nice and long and it's been uh, it's been really pleasant. In fact, it was kind of cool this morning as I woke up so uh still a little too cold to do my outside morning pipe smoke but hey you know make sure and get out there and smoke your pipe all right let's get the show rolling so everybody sit back relax fire up a bowl thank you all for tuning in and here we go Thoid Floor Men's Clothing. Suits, shoes, ties, trousers, cufflinks, going up. I beg your pardon, but on what floor might I find the luxury tobaccos, pipes, and accessories? Well, I'll tell you, pal, if it's those things you's looking for, you need to visit tinbids.com. Ah, yes, of course. You mean the Pipe Collector's Auction site, right? That's right, Mac. You can buy and sell pipes, accessories, and vintage and hard-to-find luxury tobaccos. You know, just like you were saying. So I can sell my pipes and tobaccos too? Why, that's just fine. Yeah, you bet your life, buddy. So, what'll it be? Can you take me to the floor where the computers are then? What's a computer? Visit TinBids.com, the pipe collector's auction site, and sign up today. A Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe is the perfect pal. Going fishing, take your corncob pipe and see you back at dark 30. Hunting, your corncob pipe squares, it won't make a pop. Relaxing and reflecting, you add your corncob pipe at relax. Party time, your corncob pipe doesn't produce a cool smoke for no reason. Let's just say your Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe gets you. Visit www.corncobpipe.com to get yours today. Missouri Meerschaum Company, authentically original, authentically you. 
And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. All right, uh, Pipe Smoking 101 Revisited. Uh, so last time we talked about the bowl, which is we talked about mainly the outside portion of the pipe and how its shape may, uh, you know, the, the size and shape of it determines what's going to happen on the inside of the bowl. Uh, but at the same time, the inside or the tobacco chamber well, that's going to determine. Uh, that's going to determine a lot of things for us as as far as how we smoke it. Um, maybe it'll determine also, like for me, it'll determine you know what kind of tobacco I want to use. So just to start with, there's uh, there's three different basic types of tobacco chambers, and we're going to talk about the bottom of the bowl, uh, the bottom of the tobacco chamber. Now, uh, there's a flat one which is drilled out and then it comes to a flat abrupt bottom then there's a v-shaped one which you may see more in uh in like a, a dublin or you know some of those uh some of those more angular shapes where the bowl is at the bottom it it may be parallel for a while and then halfway down it comes to an abrupt v uh popular kind of in some of the freehand you know the danish freehand styles uh, and then there's the uh, the hybrid, which is kind of a U-shaped bowl bottom. Um, that U-shape allows for the you know allows for the draft hole to come in and come towards the center of the bottom of the bowl, where the flat bottom, the draft hole is only going to come in from the side. So there's a there's a lot of benefits to that, but it's oftentimes uh, hard to pull off depending on the shape of the pipe. Uh, if you get into uh, a tobacco chamber that's in like a prince shape or a pot shape or something like that. Uh, it's really hard to get that U shape because the prince or the pot shape are going to be a little wider. So that U is going to be less pronounced, but still that's, you know, that's where you're going to, that's, that's where the bottom of where the draft hole is going to work in. And, uh, and it's just going to be less pronounced. So a lot of times on a, uh, on a prince or a pot shape, which are short, tobacco chambers and short uh short bowls you're gonna find a little less you know a little bit less of a u-shape it'll be uh <laughs> it'll be closer to a flat bottom but maybe a little bit of a u uh and it depends on uh, the the bottom of the bowl really depends on the tobacco on the pipe manufacturer and what their uh what their standards are now the other thing that's important for me on the tobacco chamber and this works with the bowl itself is that there's plenty of wood all the way around because you don't want to have any thin spots of wood. You want that wood, in my, in my preferences, I want about a quarter inch of wood all the way around the tobacco chamber. If you get thin spots, then you've got to be worried about hot spots on your bowl and you know, it might hot spot your pipe. Uh, could run the risk of burnout. So you want to do that. Uh, the other thing that, uh, that can damage a pipe on the inside of the tobacco chamber is cake. And uh, cake is just the buildup of, over time of residue inside the bowl. Uh, everybody that I've ever talked to will recommend that you have a cake inside the bowl about as thin as a U.S. dime. So we're talking millimeters. You don't want it too thick. If you get that cake too thick, when it heats up, it wants to expand and it will push out on the on the bowl and possibly crack. Uh, if it's too thin, 
Well, then you need to build it back up because you want a little bit of that cake to help keep the tobacco down, keep the tobacco in there, keep it lit. It adds another level of protection for when you're putting flame to the to the bowl, and it just adds. Um, it, you know, it, it helps with the moisture. It helps with the temperature. So you want a little bit of cake, but not too much. And then you want an even cake. Now, when it comes to bowl, uh, to tobacco chamber size, and again, that works with the bowl size. But in my opinion, which I am the leading expert on my own opinion, a wider tobacco chamber. So if we if we think the if we say the standard is like three quarters of an inch or four fifths of an inch, uh, a wider one, which might be an inch or a little bit over an inch, is going to be better for blends that are uh, a little more complex and a little stronger. It's it's going to allow those complex blends to mix evenly throughout the layers of the pipe, and it's going to allow those stronger blends to cool and yeah, it's just going to be less less intense flavor. So if you've got a blend that's too strong for you, try it in a wider bowl. Uh, narrower bowls, so anything under that three quarters or four fifths of an inch, uh, you're looking at Virginias tend to smoke better for me in those. And that's because it's the simple fact that it's just a straight Virginia. Now, this is all just my personal preference and yours may vary, but you have to figure out what works for you um height of the bowl for me the only difference is with the height of the bowl it just means that i have to dump ash maybe once or twice during the bowl if it gets taller as it gets taller and taller i want to dump ash maybe two or three times on a bowl that's like two inches high uh, or a tobacco chamber that's two inches high and that's because you know you get all that tobacco ash on top and then you can't get to fresh tobacco down below to light it uh so that's the uh i mean that's basically the ins and outs of the tobacco chamber yeah keep it clean you know i do my little wipe down of it after each bowl and i try to keep the cake down to a minimum um and then you want to find the sizes and the shapes that work for you and work for the types of tobaccos all right comments questions email me brian at pipesmagazine.com and in just a moment, my discussion with Kyle, the pipe professor. This is Internet Radio. Since its beginnings in 1876, Savinelli has become more than just a pipe factory. It's become a lifestyle. From sourcing the finest Mediterranean briar and partnering with local artisans to acquire unique accents, to expanding their catalog each year with new innovative series, Savinelli produces high-quality Italian pipes that serve as a reflection of your individual tastes. With a portfolio that ranges from rugged designs fit for the outdoors to elegant pieces destined for black tie galas, Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us from the world of YouTube is uh, the pipe professor himself, Kyle. And uh, Kyle, you're not only a uh, you're you're an actual professor and uh, YouTubist and uh, YouTuber. I like YouTubist, but uh, <laughs> Kyle, the pipe professor, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Thank you so much, Brian, for having me, and it's uh, it's an honor to be able to speak with you. Well, we'll beat that honor out of you quickly. <laughs> um, so let's get to know you. 
where'd you where'd you grow up what did you want to be when you grew up have you grown up yeah uh, i'm still working on that but uh, i come from or reside from a small small rural town uh, in the state of kentucky called glendale which is just south of elizabethtown kentucky uh, the population at that time was probably 250 people, and we did not even have a stoplight in the town. So wow. very, very small town. Um, I had a gift. I was granted a gift from, from God, and I have no idea why, but I am a percussionist. And so I can strike, scrape, and shake things um, <laughs> with a talent that most people, it's just unfathomable. So um, I used that talent to get out of my little rural city and go to a rural college, which was Moorhead State University, where I studied uh, music education and was a percussionist. Now, I didn't think that I, that's what I would be doing when I was younger. You asked me what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a storm chaser when I grew up, like uh, oh my. Jim Cantro on the Weather Channel or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah, you can't worry. Or, that's what I wanted to do. Um, I have no idea why. Because I'm terrified, or I was terrified of storms when I was little, but it was just the thrill, I suppose. Um, but studied music education, uh, percussion at Moorhead State University, and became a music teacher, and taught for a very long time. Actually started teaching in Memphis, Tennessee, um, at wow. Overton High School for a while. And at that time, it's unique. I had graduated, and I was 21 years old, and I remember one of my students letting me know that he was 19 years old uh, at the high school, and I was thinking, oh, my gosh, if he only knew that, you know, uh, <laughs> our, our age is there. But uh, moved back to Kentucky. My wife and I were expecting our first child, which we have four, um, aging 13 down to five. So, um, And we moved back to Kentucky, and I taught for a long time, got a master's degree, became a principal. Uh, school and then moved into higher school administration. I'm currently a school superintendent uh, here in Kentucky, and I do teach uh, at the university level at uh, Bellarmine University. I teach part time here in Louisville, Kentucky, and then at Anderson University in South Carolina. You are you are busy, and I just want to backtrack a little bit because <laughs> the gift from God when when God came down and told you, you know, to play the drums. Are you sure he didn't say beat it? And... <laughs> I think my parents may tell you that if you uh, were to go back and ask them, you know, if they enjoyed all that practice. But, uh, you know, music is it's it truly is phenomenal. And it, w yeah. it will take you and teach you things that you can't learn in a classroom that you can't learn in the real world. You know, I, it gave me the opportunity to travel and perform in Brazil for two weeks. Uh, I would never have that opportunity without music, and I'm just it's very blessed to be able to the people I've met, uh, the places I've performed, the beautiful music I've been able to perform. Um, it's just it truly is a gift. It's a, it's a blessing. Well, I've said this before, and I'll say it before I forget, because at my age, I do that. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm a retired band dad, uh, marching band yeah. dad, and it was, you know, the music educator at my daughter's high school and the marching band experience that gave her a sense of being belonging and a foundation. And she turned her from a lost teenager into, you know, into, well, now she's a lost middle-aged, you know, 20 something adult. So, um, but it gave her, you know, I, all of a sudden we saw this blossom of a person. So thanks. Thank you to all the music educators and, uh, Amen. you know, and football coaches get overpaid and there's, you know, it's, but it is nice of them to put on an athletic performance around a marching band on Friday night. Um, yeah, that's what I used to call it. 
So <laughs> absolutely, I agree with you. You know, I took this whole band thing so far, Brian. That uh, actually, I marched two years of drum corps, which is like professional marching band. Uh, I marched with the Cadets um, of Bergen County from New Jersey. I won a world percussion title with them in 2003. Wow. Uh, March 2004, also. But then I went and started teaching uh, drum corps for a little bit. So yeah, I mean that's like some serious stuff. So when you when you became a principal, did you tell the kids, look, I, you know, I can paddle you to whatever rhythm you want, so you better be good. <laughs> so that's an interesting that you bring that up because in the state of Kentucky, um, you can actually still paddle in schools. Now, there's a lot of red tape to get through in order to do it, and it's not <laughs> uh, practiced generally, but you can legally still paddle children in school. And I'll never forget my roommate. Um, in college, who was also a percussionist, he, his first job teaching was in a really, really small rural, uh, Eastern Kentucky district. And he got called to the principal's office and he, I remember him telling me, and I don't want to say his name in case, you know, but, uh, he went in and principal's like, uh, you know, Mr. XYZ, I need you to be a witness on this paddling. And he was like, oh my gosh. And he witnessed a child getting paddled <laughs> in school. <laughs> I like it. So is there in... Is there a permit to carry a concealed paddle or <laughs> right. probably, but it probably costs too much. Are there regulation sizes and thicknesses? And yeah, I, I want to, I want to know the details here. This is interesting. Yeah. So just because it's permitted doesn't mean that it's promoted. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> or regulated. Um, That's correct. <laughs> all right. When did, so you you went on and you got you actually have a uh, you you have a doctoral degree. Mm -hmm, I do. Yes, uh, I have a doctorate in educational leadership from the University of Kentucky and a school superintendent certification from the University of Kentucky. So you got all this in Kentucky. You grew up in Kentucky, yet you don't sound like a Colonel Sanders or a cartoon character. Uh, <laughs> oh. No, uh, I, I try to be as uh, educated and refined as possible, especially, you know, being in the public eye. So, well, thank you, sir. Uh, we do appreciate <laughs> that. When did pipe smoking come into your, into your life? Yeah, I, uh, unlike a lot of people, I didn't, my family was not, my grandfather was a cigarette smoker, but my dad never smoked a pipe, never smoked cigars, never smoked in general. I wasn't around anybody who smoked pipes or cigars. It was in college for my undergraduate degree that a bunch of us guru percussion dudes, drum heads, um, we decided that one day we'd, we'd be cool and we were going to, you know, obviously drink some beer and uh, we were going to buy a box of cigars. We bought a box of punch cigars. I'll never forget this. And we decided to smoke them. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this is wonderful. Where, what have I been missing? So I went to, at that time, and still currently, Lexington, Kentucky, uh, the tobacconist Schwab's tobacconist yeah. um, in Lexington. Uh, Jeff Schwab, he's a fantastic guy. And I was like, you know, I'm going to get me a box of punch cigars. Well, I'm still on the college budget at this point. So uh -oh. um, I was like, I, I would like a box of punch cigars. And he's like, well, that'd be, you know, I forget, 100 bucks at the time or whatever. And I was like, nope, that ain't happening. So he he helped guide me to say, these are some selections. This is how this works. Um, and I was a cigar smoker for many, many years, probably 12 years before I went into Schwab's, which is where I bought my first pipe. And um, I was given, I don't know if you remember, Brian, these these pamphlets they used to have. It was called The Joys of Pipe Smoking. It had this cartoon character guy on the front of it smoking a pipe. Yep, the Weber, and, the Weber Guide to the Joys of Pipe Smoking. 
there you go. I bought my first pipe, which was a basket pipe. Yeah, I still have it. It says made in Greece. So who knows if it's uh, actually like monkey grease from a car or actually the country <laughs> grease. I'm not sure. But uh, um, it said made in Greece. And um, I was I bought their house brand called Ideal, which I now realize is Lang Wang Q disguised. Yep. And um, I thought, wow, this is wonderful. And I went home and I, I was nervous. I, I'll never forget it. My front porch. Um, and I sat on my front porch and I, I packed the bowl all wrong. I tried to follow the little booklet, uh, made it seem easy, packed it all wrong. I had my little check tool and uh, lit it up and I poured me a nice glass of red wine, which I do not recommend wine with cigars, uh, with pipes. It's just not not for me. It's not a, a good thing. And it was awful. It was terrible. I bun- burnt the crap out of my tongue. It tasted terrible. And I was like, this is crazy. Um, but I stayed with it. I got on YouTube at that point, which is where they introduced, you know, all this. I think I'll make a channel we can talk about it in a minute. But I started to watch videos about how oh, this is how you do it. This is what you should, you know, uh, how you should light, how you should pack, how you should puff. It's OK if your pipe goes out, just relight it. Um, but the biggest mistake I made was that I was drawing on the pipe like it was a cigar because I'd smoked cigars for years, which you sip a pipe. You don't, you know, uh, draw on it like you would a, a cigar. <laughs> Did you I, I just got to ask this before we go to the break. Uh, did your training in percussion help you with a rhythm of figuring out how to puff a pipe and keep it, yeah, you know, and and make it smoke better? Absolutely. You know, one of the um, hardest things to do as a percussionist is to play auxiliary percussion, and when I say that, I mean things like tambourine and triangle and crash cymbals. There is a true art to how to play those instruments correctly in the orchestral setting. The most nerve wracking thing that you can do is be playing in an orchestra setting with a live audience and you have one pianissimo triangle note that you got to play. So you hold the triangle up so that you can see it and the audience can see it. And you take a breath in, you breathe out and you hit the triangle. It's that same delicacy that's required in pipe smoking. And it just took me a little little bit to figure out the connection between breathing technique, taking your time, relax and smoking a pipe. And that is a perfect place for us to take a break. When we come back, we'll have uh, more with Kyle, the pipe professor. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Hi, I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell and Deal. We know pipe smoking is a personal journey. That's why our small team of blending and production experts take a personal approach in every step preparing tobacco products just for you. We source top quality leaf through the personal connections we've made around the world, hand blend that leaf, and carefully package each tin. Each product, from special releases like our small batch line to our most popular mixtures like Autumn Evening, are made right here in South Carolina by professionals dedicated to providing the finest of smoking experiences. Lighting up a pipe is an exploration through evolving flavors, thoughts, memories, and even dreams. From our hands to yours, Cornell and Deal tobaccos are your passport for that voyage, provided by people who, like you, value the journey. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with the pipe professor, Kyle, and the uh, the YouTube channel is the Pipe Professor. 
Uh, all right, Kyle, I got I to gotta ask you this question because uh, you smoke. In, in your channel, you do some cigar reviews, primarily pipe and tobacco reviews. Um, but how do you... when? How do you approach the difference between a cigar and a pipe? Um, how do you explain the difference to people between the experience of smoking a cigar or smoking a pipe? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. Um, it has a lot to do with, um, I, I'm going to take this back to um, like when we taste wine. Mm -hmm. You taste wine to um, essentially to either complement or contrast what you're eating, what you're pairing it with, or different wines. It really is about the setting, the mood, the place. Um, if I am looking for something, you know, on a hot sunny day and I'm going to be with a bunch of guys drinking beer or bourbon, welcome to Kentucky, um, we're generally <laughs> going to go with a cigar. That just presents itself with the mood. Um, I don't want to have, I don't want to be, you know, fiddling with my tamper and my lighter and trying to, you know, really focus on the, what I'm getting, the nuances, as Jeremy Reeves says, from the pipe tobacco. Um, if I'm thinking, if I'm reading, if I'm contemplating, um, really, really trying to be intentional um, about taste and flavor and things like that, a pipe is generally where I'm going to go. Um, if you don't have a lot of patience, pipe smoking is probably not for you. Give it a shot, but uh, that's I would direct someone toward a cigar in that regard. Not that they're any less uh, flavorful or anything like that, but it does take – pipe smoking is an art, and it takes patience. It takes time, and I am still trying to figure it out each and every single day, what blends work best with what pipes, what speed to smoke. Uh, certain pipe tobaccos and uh, yeah. even match. I, I've even gotten to the point where I, some blends are just better with a match rather than a lighter. So I know that's weird. Yeah. But all right. So you kind of jumped into my next question for you because you, your pipe tobacco reviews and the way you approach it is a little different than what I've seen from others, but I'm, I'm just kind of wondering how do you, um, yeah, I, I know in the, uh, in the percussion world, uh, there's, I don't know, those, those xylophone things, the bangy wood things, there's different kinds of hammers and, and mallets that yeah. you can use to make different sounds with them. And, uh, drummers, you know, will have different kinds of sticks to, for different effects and stuff. But do you, how do you approach which pipe you're going to work with on which tobacco and so on? Yeah. Uh, what you're referring to in the percussion world is it, that's our, our tools of the trade, right? Yeah. Uh, we have to be able to make the words timbre. looks like timbre when you spell it out, but um, we have to be able to produce the timbre, the sound that the, that the you know, conductor is going for, that the group is requiring, that the piece or the song uh, needs. So we have to have different implements. And, uh, you know, I have 20 different triangle beaters that are made of different sizes, different materials, because that's the sound that we're going for, or a mallet that's a little bit uh, the yarn that's used is a little bit more soft um, in nature, and it's wrapped a little bit lighter instead of tight, where it's going to get a, a really uh, articulate, uh, striking sound or accent staccato sound. When it comes to pipes and tobaccos, I try to, first of all, uh, if I've never tried the blend before, I'm doing like a pop the top uh, review or something like that. I try to think of, okay, I know that Virginia Flakes, for me, for my personal taste and preference, are better in a bulldog-shaped pipe. Um, mm -hmm. So I will choose that pipe because I've had success in the past. Because we don't ever want to, 
no one should ever try to review tobaccos or any product to bring a company down or hurt or harm somebody. Um, it is all personal preference, but you want to go in with good intentions. You want to promote what this hobby and what we do. Uh, so I try to make the match that I think is going to be the most successful uh, prior to tasting any tobaccos. And then sometimes will you have to go back to the drawing board and say, wait a second, I screwed up. Oh, most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> most of the time we have to go back and say, yeah, that didn't work. Let's do this again. Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting. And then of course you got to, and then, you know, you've, you play around with modifying the way you load the bowl and all that stuff too. Uh, Absolutely. You know, a lot of time, you know, I'll find that I'll smoke a, I'll smoke something in a cob and I'll really like it. And then I'll smoke it in a briar pipe and I won't like it at all. Um, and then the Meerschaum brings out certain things, especially in an aromatic blend that I will never find in a briar or a cob. Um, church warden smoke's going to be cooler. So if you're getting, you know, a lot of aromatic, goopy tongue bite and stuff, then, you know, uh, maybe try it in a church warden pipe and slow your cadence down <laughs> or speed it up and get it over with faster. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how long into your, uh, into your journey into pipes before you started cellaring and aging tobaccos? Oh, okay. So yeah, I know. Uh, I know your wife told me not to ask this question, but I'm going to anyway. Yeah, my my. We'll we'll get back to my wife in just a second. Um, <laughs> so I probably started really intentionally cellaring pipe tobacco two years into my to my journey. Um, I have a little bit of a an addiction. Um, Mm -hmm. I collect pipe tobacco and I have a rather extensive pipe tobacco cellar. It's a, it's actually quite heinous. I pulled <laughs> out my boxes and attempted to get you a count on the tens, sealed tens that I have. And I'll just say, while I was doing that, my wife said, what's the number? Cause she knew what I was doing. I told her I was talking to you. And I, she's <laughs> like, what's the number? So I'm going to tell you the number and then I'm going to tell you what she guessed. And we're all going to just go with her guess. If she ever asked, um, I, <laughs> If, if I'm correct, um, it's just over 700 tens cellared um, <laughs> right now and about 30 pounds of bulk and open tobaccos that I have that I pinch out of. Her guess was, what is it, about 400? I said, uh, close. So, <laughs> <laughs> And they only cost $5 each, dear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's the other piece is when I sell her, uh, I, I use um, plastic big plastic bins and I keep them in my basement in a closet underneath the stairs. So it's dark, it's cool. Um, humidity is not an issue really. And inside of each of those bins, there is a piece of paper and this is probably a little morbid, but on that piece of paper, it says, if something happens to me, call and it has Steve Fallon's name and number <laughs> and his card. And uh, also Brian Dorn, because I trust that Brian would not rob my family, but, um, yeah, I wanted to make sure that she gets what probably what they're deserved instead of what she thinks they're worth. So now of your, yeah, um, I have the same note. Um, <laughs> uh, of your uh, of your tobacco seller, how many do you know? How many different blends you have represented in there? Oh, I would probably guess. How, how, how many different styles of hammer thingies do you have for your for your uh, for your triangle down there in your tobacco cellar? <laughs> I would say represented. I, I, I certainly have over sixty five different blends because I have some HU tobaccos and stuff in there too. 
Um, primarily, I loved the old Dunhill blends before Peterson took them on. So I have quite a bit of that cellared. And that was before they even went, you know, made the announcement that they were, you know, quitting production. Um, I did start cellaring McClellan tobaccos well before um, Mike and Mary announced anything that they were closing up. So I have quite a, that, quite a bit of that cellar because I loved their tobaccos even before um, any announcements of that was ever made. And I really, really have been focusing on Virginia tobaccos lately. Um, the um, Pure Virginia from McBaron um, and the Orlick Golden Sliced. I've really just found a liking to Orlick lately, and I have no idea why, but um, that's a good vapor. You can argue whether there's preak in there. I believe there is, uh, but yeah, I've really hit Orlick heavy. Never argue with the guest. Um, <laughs> how many pipes do you have now? Uh, I counted them uh, before our interview. Uh, <laughs> I'm sitting at exactly 86 uh, pipes. If you're not counting my cobs, and if you're counting my cobs, I have 101. Hey, cobs matter. Yep, uh, 101. Yeah, so you've gone the same way with uh, with pipes as you went with tobaccos, and you've gone crazy. Yes. Uh, yeah, you know, but with pipes, I, I have you know changed them in and out. Um, when I, I've started to narrow down and, and I would argue that I am more of a tobacco guy than a pipe guy. Um, mm -hmm. I do have a lot of, uh, quite a few artisan pipes. I do support what they, you know, the work that our artisan pipe makers do. It is an art. It's a craft. It's amazing. It's beautiful. Um, but I put more of my funds toward the tobacco side of the, the hobby. So I've traded in some pipes in and out. Um, I'll tell you one pipe I bought is a Costello and I foolishly, I, even on a video, I believe, on my, my channel, I, I dedicated it to my daughter. Um, my, out of my four children, I have three boys, and then the youngest is my little girl, oh, uh, my boy. daughter. And I, I, you know, I dedicated the pipe to her, and you know, and, um, and I, hate, I hate it. It smokes awful. <laughs> I don't like it at all, but I can't get rid of it because I feel guilty because I've dedicated the pipe to her. So. <laughs> oh, daddy's little girl's already got you wrapped around her finger. Uh, yeah, yeah, she doesn't, you know, she's not spoiled. If she wants a horse, she gets it. So <laughs> I want a pony. I want a unicorn. Um, <laughs> all right. So what was the reason for starting the YouTube channel and, uh, what are you hoping to do with it? Well, I'm still trying to figure out what to do with it. Uh, <laughs> in fact, I think in a, a recent video, I asked, uh, you know, everyone who's watching, where do you want this channel to go? What would you like to see? Um, happen on this channel or what interests you uh, with what would, would interest you that you'd want to watch. Um, I started it because it was a community of people. Uh, mm -hmm. Although we have a really good local tobacconist, uh, most of the establishments here, which arguably I'd, I'd say are everywhere, are cigar focused, uh, cigar bars, bourbon bars. Um, yeah. And the pipe smoker is, is kind of frowned upon. I don't even want to say frowned upon, but um we're not as cool um, as, as the cigar crowd or as I guess we don't spend as much money either as the cigar people. But yeah. I started because I want to be part of that larger community. And I'll tell you, I've, I've had my channel. I started my channel in 2012 in December. And I have seen folks come and go in the community, Brian. It's unreal. A lot, a lot. Uh, most of the channels that I started with and the people I've started with are, are don't even make videos anymore. Um and yeah. it's just really unique to see how that community shifts and changes and has, has grown and shrunk over the years. So I'm, I just hope to contribute to the hobby. It is a wonderful hobby. I know that you had, uh, I think it's Adam from the Piped Podcast uh, on a couple of weeks ago. And yep. 
And it's interesting to hear how that younger crowd interprets it because I love this hobby because of the ephemera, uh, the, of the, the old nostalgic, the, the thinking man, the, the codger. I love that aspect of it. So it's unique <laughs> to see, oh, okay, the younger groups, that's not what they're focused on. It's kind of cool. Yeah, the the yeah, it's it's fun to watch it change. Um, yeah, it's sad to say goodbye to some people that that you're you know that drop out of it and are and are you consider friends, but it's also fun to watch new people come in and meet new friends. Absolutely. All right, well, one more question about your videos. Mm-hmm. Are those real hand tied bow ties? <laughs> yes, they are. I I, uh, I wear a bow tie every day, minus uh, the uh, Sunday. I typically don't unless I'm lecturing at church or something. Uh, but I wear a bow tie, hand tie it every day. I tie a bow tie. And uh, I'll tell you the story behind it real quick. Yeah. I, as, a, as a teacher uh, and a principal, I used to wear a regular necktie to work. I find teaching to be a profession, and you should dress like a professional. So I'd wear my necktie uh, to work. And, I, of course, I taught elementary music in elementary school for a while. And I kept – little kids love to give hugs. They love to give hugs. And as a male, I'd give them the old side hip hug, right? And my tie would drip down, and I kept finding my wife's like, what are you doing to your ties? And I noticed there's, you know, goobers and ketchup and barbecue, so I could tell you what they have for lunch because it was wiped and smeared all over my, my tie. <laughs> and so about 10 years ago, I switched over to bow ties, and I have just wore bow ties every single day since that day because of goobers on my ties. Well, when we, when, when, you, when we see each other again, I'm going to have to have you teach me how to do it because your bow ties look so good. And I, well, um, I tell you, I learned off of YouTube yeah. <laughs> like we do so many things. Um, and the video I saw, they did it correctly because they did it in a mirror as if you were tying it instead of trying to look at the camera and show you. That means everything would be backwards. And so if you look in the mirror and they show you how to do it from looking in the mirror, you actually do it like you see it done like you would be doing it looking in the mirror. So it was very helpful. Uh, All right. Uh, How often do you smoke a pipe now? Uh, Every single day. Uh, I'm an everyday smoker. Uh, I always pack a pipe for lunch. And so I leave for lunch and I'll eat a quick sandwich uh, in the car. And then I try to go somewhere and enjoy a pipe at lunchtime. And then when I get home, if, you know, time's permitting, I'm not teaching or whatever, then I'll have either a pipe or a cigar at night, depending on the mood that I'm in. But every single day. Between uh, teaching online remotely and running a school district and uh, four kids, I would imagine that time at night is uh, somewhat precious. It is indeed. It is indeed. And I, always, I do always try to put my, my children first um, before, you know, my my habits or hobbies. But they know dad smokes a pipe. They know dad, you know, smokes cigars. And um, they'll be like, oh, that one smells good. I like that one. That one's my favorite. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, Kyle, the pipe professor, we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer. Just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? I am. What is your favorite pipe? Um, it is my Stanwell golden Danish rusticated bulldog. And I only use it for Dunhill flake or, or like golden sliced. And what is your favorite tobacco? My favorite tobacco is Seattle pipe club plum pudding. Just the regular, not the reserve or the bourbon or just the regular plum pudding. And I'm going to change up this question for you. Uh, what is your favorite bourbon? Ooh, I like this. My favorite bourbon. Um, 
My favorite bourbon is Blanton's, which is made at Buffalo Trace about 10 miles down the road in Frankfurt. Um, It is Blanton's. It is just a beautiful, beautiful bourbon, molasses, sugars. uh, It's just malty. It's very good. And all the little horsies on top of the bottle are all different. That's correct. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. All right. And since it's hard to get, uh, I'll give you a few. uh, I'll drop this bomb on you. Um, Maybe you can recommend uh, two bourbons that are a little easier to get that people might keep an eye out for absolutely yeah absolutely uh, if you're wanting a really really quality bourbon at a good price of course if you can find regular buffalo trace mm-hmm. um it is a just phenomenal bourbon i have people very good collector friends who argue that um there are strains of pappy that are exactly just regular buffalo but people because they put a label on it pay gobs and gobs more money so regular <laughs> buffalo trace um, another good one that you can find, and I'm going to give this secret out, and it's going to fly off the shelves now, but is the Evan Williams Bottled in Bond. It's $18 a fifth, and it is spectacular. Mm. All right. I'll buy it all up before this show goes out. <laughs> um, when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? A book. Every, every, every day of the week, a book. The music educator prefers a book book okay now remember uh, music used to be my job so yes. i know i know i know that's like <laughs> when i when i relax i don't listen to pipe smoking podcasts so that's right that's yeah right. and then finally do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory i do um i went and i went to the ohio pipe show the north american society for pipe collectors uh yep. I, I attended their show i guess it was now four years ago five years ago and I met up with a really good friend, Brian Dorn, and we I bought a tin of uh, McClellan, their anniversary, but it was from September of 20, 2001. And, you know, it's kind of a treat. So we went outside to the patio there at the hotel, and we were going to you know, open that tin. And as you do, you share it with anybody sitting at the table, or at least you offer, you know, would you like yeah. to try some of this? Just being courteous and nice. And there was an old fellow sitting there, Brian. His name was Jim. And I don't know Jim's last name, but... Uh, Jim uh, had his pipe and he had essentially eaten the uh, stem of the pipe. It looked like we're, you know, uh, just eating the end of it <laughs> off where he chewed on it so much. And I was like, would you like some of this tobacco? It's, you know, kind of a vintage age. He's like, no, nah, I'm just going to stick with what I got here. And he, I was like, well, what do you like to smoke? He's like, just this, this uh, vanilla blend. Who knows what it was, but he was hilarious. He was great <laughs> to talk to. He knew a ton of history and he was that ideal codger where it didn't matter how valuable what the blend was. <laughs> he was smoking his vanilla tobacco in his chewed up pipe so it was a it was a beautiful beautiful thing that is absolutely a perfect picture of a pipe show an old timer (laughs) that's found his one tobacco and his favorite couple of pipes and then there's these new people that are all there with all their fancy age stuff and selecting the right pipe to match with that and the two and and the two types were sitting at the same table absolutely beautiful beautiful thing uh were either of you wearing a bow tie at that point I wasn't. I wasn't oh. wearing a bow tie to the pipe show. But I tell you what, if I if I get out to Las Vegas, which I'm, you know, hopefully can this year, um, I will wear a bow tie to the show. Okay, cool. All right. <laughs> so again, the uh, the YouTube channel is the Pipe Professor. It's on YouTube. Kyle, thank you very much for coming on and doing this. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Brian. And we'll be back in just a minute. Take a look at your pipe rack. Are all those briars and mirrors constant companions in your rotation? Or are there some that you gravitate to more than others? 
Are there some that you simply don't smoke anymore? Through SmokingPipes.com's estate trade program, you can transform those underused pipes into immediate cash or store credit. Just send us your pipes and we'll unpack, inspect, and evaluate them based on extensive market research and over 20 years of experience. Then we'll contact you with a detailed offer for your choice of cash or store credit, valid on any items in our vast selection of pipes, tobacco, cigars, and accessories. If you're not happy with our quote, we'll return your pipes free of charge to domestic addresses. It's that simple. Join the thousands of Smoking Pipes customers who have benefited from this program and start your trade today by contacting us at 888-366-0345. That's 888-366-0345. This is Internet Radio. And we're back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yeah, check out everything that Kyle is doing. I mean, I, I'm just, I mean, uh, the, the, the teaching and then running a, you know, being a district superintendent and putting out some really good YouTube videos. So check out what he's doing. All right. All right. For music this week, uh, Scott Miller sent me a couple of suggestions. And this one just got me because this is really cool. This is a 1972 version of uh, Deep Purple's Smoke on the Water, performed by a Japanese orchestra with both uh, Western world instruments and traditional Japanese instruments. And it's sung in Japanese, so just follow along and enjoy. And uh, it's not the best recording of it, but yeah, I think you'll get the idea.
you can see the uh, YouTube video of it by going to uh, YouTube and searching uh, Smoke on the Water Japanese Style. And uh, thanks much to uh, Scott for sending that in. Do go uh, look up the video. It's it's really fun to watch. Mm, message from the dark side there is. And remember, if you have a comment or question, the best way to get it to me is to email it to me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. That's B-R-I-A-N at pipesmagazine.com. Or you can post it on the Pipes Magazine radio show page on pipesmagazine.com. Just like Dino and Casey Ghost does every week. And here's what Dino had to say about last week's show. Uh, I enjoyed Jeff's insightful behind-the-scenes report. It was a fun event and one that should be a permanent part of our Chicago show. Uh, Steve was a very interesting guest. He is quite uh, he is quite an eloquent member of your Journeyman Pipe Smoker Club. His question about your hot moment was a deep look into Brian's pipe and tobacco backstory. <laughs> and he opened a nice discussion of your tobacco preferences. Uh, Oscar and Louie, yes. They are music masters who know how to swing their butts off. Amen to your rant. Thanks for another great show, Dino. Uh, you're welcome, Dino. And Casey Ghost says, I enjoyed Jeff's comments on the Battle of the Briar. It was very entertaining, and I look forward to the further renditions of this. And keep an eye out for the videos, because uh, the videos are going to be out, you know, somewhere in the future. Uh, I also enjoyed Steve Davenport's discussion of where he is in his pipe journey. Clever how he turned the interview around so that it was more of a discussion of your particular likes and dislikes of tobacco. Clever of him. <laughs> We will have to think of him as more as more than a stonehead. <laughs> okay, um, it's hard to say, it's hard saying anything bad about a song that Louis is doing, so I won't because I can't. Good number. The rant was very good. Thank you, there, Casey Ghost. Uh, and then we have, as I'm stumbling for it, we have uh, Renfield writes Brian. Thanks for another thoroughly enjoyable show. Great talk with Jeff Grasick. His inside point of view of the Battle of the Briar and getting your commentary on the event added real depth to appreciating the event. Outstanding musical choice again this week. The combination of Oscar Peterson and Satchmo is hard to beat. It's refreshing to hear two huge talents playing together in a way that enhances the performance rather than trying to one-up the other. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, yeah. So thanks for your comments. And like I said, wish I was in a time, wish I had a time machine. Uh, reviews, iTunes, uh, Apple podcast ratings and reviews. This one says, uh, awesome gem, five stars. And it's from really disappointed. Uh, he said, I found this show about six weeks ago and really look forward to when it drops rant away. And I look forward to hearing some Donald duck done. You will, uh, as you get caught up, you'll hear a couple of, uh, a couple of times I played some, uh, blues brothers and some, uh, Donald duck done in there. Uh, Bryant writes regarding last week's show. I always enjoy your Ask the Pipe Maker segments with Jeff, and this week was typically great. The inaugural Battle of the Briar sounds like an awesome addition to an already overwhelming experience that is the Chicagoland Pipe Show. One more reason to try and get my sorry self to a real live pipe show one of these years. Uh, Mr. Davenport was a great addition to your lineup of journeyman pipe smokers. One of the best things about your program is that it frequently turns me on to pipe makers and tobaccos that I've never heard of. 
Lord Davenport was the latest in this line. Makes me look forward to becoming a journeyman myself in another couple of years. Uh, the music of Louis Armstrong and Oscar Peterson is fantastic. I do not write eloquently enough to pay tribute to their musical gifts. An excellent choice. Have yourself a great week, and thanks for another excellent episode. Best regards, Bryant. Uh, Bryant, you're welcome. Much welcome. And uh, James writes in regarding to the uh, the Sacramento Pipe Club. Uh, it's still going. It's uh, in a little bit of a transition right now, but uh, keep an eye on the uh, keep an eye on the Pipes Magazine forums of the meet and greets, and you'll see stuff there about it. And then I have one from oh I don't know a while back because I lost it, but here it is. It's from Tommy. And Tommy says, uh, hi, Brian, I wanted to reach out and thank you for your radio show. You don't have to read this on your show. That <laughs> That's not why I'm writing this. Uh, I, that's not why I'm writing this to you. I'm doing it because it means a lot to me. Uh, story time. I've been smoking a pipe off and on for a few years now. I use it for mental health release aspect of this hobby. Uh, I use it for the mental health release aspect of this hobby. I love this thing in my hands. I like that it helps me slow down and think before I act. I like the a world that I can. I like in a world that I can do this. Uh, but it's been very. It's been a very solo experience. I don't have anyone in my life to share this with. So that's where your show comes in. Uh, you do a great job teaching and finding guests that can teach. And I got to find the next line because I just lost it uh, without judgment and animosity towards those of us that don't know much as they do about this world. I'm a guy that was raised in a very religious home, one of those religions that put a lot of hate on smoking. So very few people know this side of my life. But this piece of wood in my hands has helped me in, a, in very dark places where other people could not. And your show was part of that. Thank you for your time and efforts. P.S. I would also like to talk to you about Brigham Pipes. They're my favorite so far. I know you have a history with them, and I'd love to know more about your story. Well, Tommy, thank you very much for your for your message and your uh, yeah, and thanks for listening. Uh, you know, I'm always happy when I can hear that when I hear that the show has you know has a place and uh, and helps people in those uh, dark in those dark moments or gives you, you know, gives you a little respite from the world. I mean, that's really what it's about, right? We sit down, we light up a pipe and, you know, maybe the, uh, the one hour in a day or, you know, one hour in a cup in a week where we get to sit down and just kind of focus on ourselves and the pipe. So thank you very much for that. Uh, there is a, uh, Brigham pipe collectors group on Facebook. So if you haven't found that, check them out. They've got way more information and more knowledge than I do. Uh, and then finally, uh, Steve Davenport wrote, uh, do you have any idea when sandblasting be, uh, became common as a means of texturing the surface of a pipe? So I asked a handful of experts, including Rich Esserman and, uh, and a few other, the old timers, nobody's exactly sure, but Dunhill was doing sandblasted pipes in the 1915s, 16s. And one of the patents was for a process to sandblast. In fact, one of the processes was to oil cure the pipe first to help kind of soften it up and make it a lighter pipe. So uh, we've 
got at least over 100 years of sandblasting history in our, uh, in our systems. All right, comments, questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. And in just a moment, rant time. For over 150 years, Peterson has welcomed all pipe smokers. It's the preferred choice of the thinking man and the everyman alike, and our workshop too is a place of hospitality and warmth. Hi, I'm Glenn Whelan, and for me, Peterson is a family tradition I've known since my childhood. My dad, Tony Whelan Jr., worked at Peterson for 53 years and has been my home since 2003. From sweeping our factory on a Saturday morning, to managing our store, to now steering our international distribution, I've seen the craftsmanship poured into each Peterson pipe. It lives in Jason's discerning eye as he handcrafts our silver accents and in Wojciech's able hands as he carves our rustications. It abides in Willie's grading and in Warren's papering. Peterson has welcomed us as contributors to its legacy. And it's a welcome we always extend to you. Cade Milafolge, 100,000 welcomes, wherever you come from, whosoever you be. There's nothing quite like a good book. Or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe. An American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. I got a whole list, a whole, a whole list, I say, about problems with social media. Yeah, problems with social medias. Uh, this one, I'm just going to pick on Facebook for this one and this one alone because uh, we're trying to build up the Facebook and Instagram profiles for the Las Vegas International Pipe Show. And there is a Facebook page. If you want to please go follow Vegas Pipe Show on uh, Facebook and on Instagram, please give us a like and a follow or do whatever. But I'm trying to build up the profile for that. So I'm taking my personal profile, which you're more than welcome to follow me on Facebook and Instagram as well. And I'm trying to invite friends to come over and follow the uh, the Facebook page for the Vegas Pipe Show, okay? Uh, you know, just trying to invite people to come over there and do that. As I'm going through my list of friends, I'm clicking on them and inviting them and clicking them and inviting them. And I'm thinning out through the, you know, I'm trying to thin out and just get the pipe smoking friends of mine, not the, you know, no, not the family or the Disney fans or the neighbors or any of those people or the kids' friends. You know, I don't need any of those liking it. It'd be a waste of time, right? Well, I get timed out <clears throat> by Facebook because I was going too fast. Timed out because I was going too fast. And I got restricted because I was going too fast. Well, so I stopped what I was doing. I logged out and logged back in. And then I thought, you know, well, maybe what I'll do is I'll clean up my friends list because it doesn't like what I'm doing by inviting people to do that. Do you know there's no way to sort your friends list by alphabet? None whatsoever that I could find. And I thought, you know what, I may as well clean up my friends list and make room for new ones and stuff because I'm getting over, you know, I'm somewhere over 4,000 friends. And I thought, well, I'll clean that up. But there's no way to sort that by alphabetical list. And every time you go back into it, it resorts it. So, Facebook, not only do you time me out, but you're kind of like the mafia. It's like blood in, blood out. You can't get out of it, can you? Anyway, uh, do make sure that you are following the uh, Las Vegas International Pipe Show on Facebook and Instagram. We would appreciate those likes, follows, 
and uh, shares and uh, share out the Pipes Magazine radio show while you're at it. Uh, that does help, and it helps new pipe smokers find us. So there you go. Um, thank you to Kyle for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in, and until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Hey, remember, boys and girls, you didn't see me. Tomorrow, tomorrow, I'll come back home tomorrow when the coast is clear. Goodbye, boys and girls.